Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, folks. This is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. Ladies and gentlemen, the tornado attorney Tom Badger with his crystal ball unveiled and ready to go. All right. So as we know, last week we had uh, we had all the special fights. We had uh, the Jesus fights, well, one Jesus fight, the big one. Uh, we had uh, the angels fighting each other. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, we had the Elvis. The very religious fight weekend fight on the, all on the same card and then you know, every now and then we throw other names in there and, and just be like oh this is our such and such fight of the week. Hey Lucifer's? Uh, no, I guess. <laughs> I don't think people name their children that too often. <laughs> no Beelzebub's. But we had our Guido fight of the week last week in the first fight of the UFC and boy I got off to a burning start in that thing. Um, <clears throat> I had uh, everybody up to uh, Lear Latifi and Alexi Olenek. That's where I started to go south. But they also um, they cut an entire fight off this card, like right in the middle of the event. It was notified on uh, FanDuel, so I had picked that. And just about every single lineup except one. And I got money on that one, but I mean, could have been all the money. But I started off really good, and uh, as I was telling Tony before we got on, it was because of a lesson I learned from the Rocky movies. And uh, I remember talking to you guys last week about Randy Costa and Paolo Costa pretending like they were brothers. And they had a little YouTube video they did together, and Paolo was sharing his recipe for secret juice as a joke. <laughs> so Randy Costa came in and was joking around and talking in the interview and at the end of the interview he kept talking about going to the strip clubs and partying and that there's brothel down the street and what did Mickey always tell Rocky about women Tony? Women weak and legs. Exactly. <laughs> so I light went off in my head well, geez, this guy's really not taking this fight that seriously if he's going out to Vegas to fuck women and party all the time. You know, it sounds like the uh, Chuck Liddell starter kit. So he ended up um, also looked at his record. And he ended up being like one of the highest uh, priced fighters. And so that made his opponent one of the lowest priced fighters. And it starts off tonight. And a lot of times, you know, just like women. You know, there's a start-off fight makes a big difference. So uh, that was our Guido fight of the week because Guido Canetti was the opponent of Randy Costa, and I noticed he had um, soundly beaten um, a guy, um, another guy from Massachusetts, I believe, or from Connecticut, I think. This guy, uh, Randy Costa, is from Taunton, Massachusetts. 
friends live. But anyway, uh, I digress. So, Randy Costa, his last fight was with uh, Tony Kelly, got TKO'd, and before that, got TKO'd by Adrian Yanez. And uh, I looked at the people that he beat. First round, yeah, but Boston Salmon was one of them, the guy who uh, just gets knocked out by everybody. <laughs> it's like, you know, when they need a last second opponent, they just throw Boston Salmon in there. Joked about it before. This is the worst name for a fighter, and then he literally like flopped around like a salmon. In his first fight after we talked about it. So I mean, it gives a bad name to Boston, unfortunately. <laughs> but that was one of the only people he beat. Journey Newsom was the other guy. He head kicked KO'd him back in 2020. So he hasn't had a win in two years. Uh, and Guido. Uh, is a 42-year-old man who has been through a lot of big fights. And he came out on top against Chris Moutinho. That was the guy. And Chris Moutinho was kind of famous for uh, going in against um, O'Malley, Sean O'Malley, and, and lasting the distance, even though he just took a ton of punishment. Uh, so, yeah, that was the fight before that for him. So he was coming off three losses that fight with Chris Moutinho. Uh, but all against really tough guys. So I looked at that and then I looked at the fact that the women were going to weaken his legs for sure. And I said, yeah, Randy Cost is going to get upset to me. And, uh, there was only one card, I, one lineup out of like five I think I put together that I put him on for shits and giggles. But uh, yeah, he scored like a point. He scored like one of the least amounts. <laughs> He got like three significant strikes in or something like that. Um, and then I only picked her on one lineup, but I knew Chelsea Chandler was going to beat Julia Stoliarenko. I looked at those records and I saw that Julia just basically had arm bars. Uh, she couldn't get the arm bars. She wasn't going to win that fight. And that's exactly what happened. She got TKO because it was going to be in stand-up. Just less than a minute left in the fight, left in the first round. So I started off good. I had two wins in the first two fights. And then Brendan Allen, I pretty much had on every single card of mine, every lineup. I had a good feeling he was going to be Jutko. seen him fight a few times. He's very durable. I did not expect him to win in the first round, but he did. And that's you know, big points. Anytime to stop it in the first. And then Joaquin Silva, that was one of the fights I did not pick, but he got a TKO. Uh, and then my big mistake was believing in Alexei Olenek, and, uh, you know, I did not see the neck of Ilir Latifi before that. But, Tony, you talk about a neck, this guy is like, no, there's like head, and then the neck is like two inches less of a width around. It's like, just a huge neck. And Alexei Olenek is a choke artist. Makes a scarf hold, choke, or, you know. Pretty much anything jujitsu. He's very good on the ground. Uh, he can fight from the bottom position pretty well, but uh, just had no answer for the Latifi. No, no chokes could be applied. It's just one failure after another. It's almost sad by the end because you know, he got pretty beat up. He, he, he had like, like maybe uh, you know a couple more days of boxing training. <laughs> 
in his camp every week, then uh, he might have might have been able to knock Latifi out. But it's just so awkward, just stumbling around the cage. It's just nothing. Can string nothing together. He would land shots, like you know, just because they're unorthodox and hard to block or see coming. But just couldn't string anything together. He didn't even know the meaning of a combo. So he just overly depends on that choke, and I just, you know, I've seen it happen where he gets it on people that uh, get fooled into uh, you know, exchange like that. But uh, Latifi was smart, and he gave one of the best speeches I have ever seen after a fight. He's at the end of his contract, and he points to his leg, and he said, "You see, my leg is swollen. It's not from the fight. It's because I had a staph infection the day before." And he's like. You know, I could have gone into the hospital, I could have pulled out of the fight, but I didn't. I went through with it. And to know that he just went through that heavyweight fight like that and, and had a staph infection, it's like, that is nuts. And uh, he was talking about, you know, relating it to the fighter's life and didn't know what he was going to do next or, you know, if he was going to be sticking around. But basically, he kind of made that point that, you know, this is what we do, we fight, you know, this is what we have to do to feed our family. Cued it up for you guys to hear. I'll find it somewhere. Uh, after that, we had a catchweight bout: Daniel Gustavo Santos and John Castaneda. That was one of the mistakes. I picked uh, John. He got KO'd from uh, punches in the down in the second round. Four minutes and 28 seconds left in that one. And then Mike Davis over Vyacheslav Borshev. That was a unanimous decision. Not much there. I picked Borshev on one lineup. But, uh, Sadiq Yusev was one of the money makers that I picked. He was, you know, high price, twenty something dollars, but he handily beat Don Shanus by guillotine choke in just thirty seconds. Uh, and then Ronnie Barcelos and Randy Brown were a couple other guys I picked, but they won by decision. Randy over Francisco Trinaldo and Miami over Trevor Jones. So those weren't big uh, knockout scoring fights. But, uh, then the main event, which I turned out to be a little bit of a psychic last week when uh, I uh, said maybe that this is just a date night between uh, the wife and uh, Zuckerberg. That's why they're doing that whole taking the whole apex to themselves. And that pretty much turned out to be what it was. There was no news. Obviously there's no media, but nothing came out of no, no uh, announcements of any kind. I watched the entire card, front to back, and uh, you know, during the main card nothing happened. There was no partnership, no business done. It was just uh, a night out for Zuckerberg apparently. Uh, who knows? I mean, maybe something will develop later on. But, I mean, it was not a coordinated event. It was no metaverse <laughs> involvement or anything like that, as far as I know. But um, actually, Alir Latifi had the balls to ask Zuckerberg for a bonus <laughs> after the fight. <laughs> was, like, I'm glad you're here, he says. Well, I mean, hey, what the hell? You got yeah, the money? If you'd like to give us a bonus. 
And Zhao Nanyan did not disappoint in the main event, the Asian fighter there. She uh, had had some difficulty in her last few fights. Um, and Mackenzie Dern was supposed to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, if you listen to all her fan base. But she was, again, like put in that same position as uh, Olenek, except she was more than one trick pony. It wasn't just a scarf hold. She was really good at all the jiu-jitsu stuff. But she just had to go into a striking war with uh, Jan over the course of most of the fight. So Jan ended up getting the majority decision with the judges. And uh, Dern never got enough to chances to, uh, you know, stick with her game and you know, dominate. I mean, she probably had, like, one good round the whole fight where it was, you know, undeniable that was her round. Everything else was very back and forth. It turned out to be a really decent war, but I stayed away from the main event for the first time in a long time. I usually at least put one of the fighters up there in my lineup, but I was glad I didn't this time because, um, my, my decisions that I did pick were much more high scoring than that it turned out to be a majority decision, which I believe is a lot less points. Overall, it was a great card for um, Mark Zuckerberg to be in attendance for. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it wasn't one of the best I've ever seen, but uh, a lot of competitive fights, a lot of exciting finishes. Uh, I felt bad though, it's like, you know, at the end, I should have seen all those fights coming, like, I should have known that uh, Lennox was such a underdog for a reason. I should have stayed away from that. Uh, that whole fight didn't cancel. Because I could have come away with every one of those lineups winning something, but everyone that had the fight missing. So it is what it is. Uh, I made up for it with uh, Monday Night Football this week. Almost, I was like four points from the lead forever. Uh, and I was smart enough for the first time, they, they changed their lineup situation to the point where now you can pick a defense for your five-person lineups in the one-game one contests. So I always do good in the one-game contests, you know, especially if I pick multiple lineups. So. I had uh, the running back from San Francisco, Jeff Nelson Jr. in the main event, or the MVP slot. That was my big mistake. I should have had uh, either the defense of the 49ers or uh, Debo Samuel. But I had all the right players. I just had the MVP slot wrong. That's what cost me a win. And I was up all the way to like 30 bucks. I ended up winning 26. So I'm not winning. Oh man, that was exciting. <laughs> very early in the season for that to happen. Usually it takes me a little time to figure out the offenses, but we some good picks there. Anyway, uh, we also had Bellator on my birthday, October 1st, the big 4-5. Pretty uneventful. Just kind of went out did the apple picking thing and went out of the house. Enjoyed the good weather. But anyway, uh, we did watch some good fights, and uh, right after the UFC, uh, we watched uh, the Bellator fight, and uh, boy, that was pretty exciting. Uh, we're just going to start off in the main event there, uh, the main card. <coughs> we had Juan Archuleta beating Enrique Barzola by unanimous decision, and uh, 
We talked about Aaron Pico last week for another reason, because he was uh, advising uh, the newcomer to the UFC there, uh, Bo. What's his name? Bo? Bo Nickel? Bo Nickel. Gonna get paid lots of dollars for this career. But uh, Aaron Pico needed some advice uh, going into this place, I guess. He, uh, he had his clavicle broken, apparently, by uh, Jeremy Kennedy. And it did not look good for Pico um, as Kennedy started to get to that, you know, like stuck to him like glue mentality going. Uh, it reminded me of another fighter that won the Ultimate Fighter years ago. Colton something. Colton Smith, I want to say. Just a human backpack type of style. Uh, Kennedy just, you know, clung to him and getting his right angles, and then all of a sudden, Aaron goes back into his corner, and uh, he's got obviously a shoulder issue, and his corner guy keeps trying to yank the shoulder out, like it's popped into the joint. And he's got all these holes he's using, trying to pull it, trying to pull it, and then Pico goes out there and tries to fight with it, tries to tell the ref and the doctor that he can continue, Uh, but I have not heard any confirmation that it was actually broken or what the story was. So that was the reason they stopped it. The doctor pretty much concluded on the spot that it was broken. Uh, and no surprise, AJ McKee got the job done at a 157-pound catch weight against uh, Spike Carlisle. And then uh, a unanimous decision for Patricio Frieri, otherwise known as Pitbull in the main event. It's a great performance on his part over uh, Adam Works. Falls 18-3. Patricio got his 35th win and five losses in that span. coming up for UFC until the 22nd. this week with some extra details of an incident that uh, I believe connects to, to the, directly to the Fertitas and I always theorized they were involved but it never publicly came out that they 
intervened. But years ago, it turned out to be 2007, right around the time the Zion's thing was going on with me. Uh, Peter Ortiz and Dana White were scheduled to have a boxing match. And they did a big thing on Spike TV and everything like that. And, you know, Dana White got to the weigh-in and got on the scale and everybody was expecting it to happen and then it was like the whole show was over but Tito didn't show up for the weigh-in and the story going around at the time was that it was something to do with revenue or you know partnerships or there was something that Tito didn't like he was supposed to get some commercials or something like that out of the deal um, it was very hazy details, but I always theorized that it was a lose-lose situation for Tito. Because if he wins, he beats up an old man, basically, that, you know, not really a fighter. If he loses, you know, he's losing to a guy with no experience. <laughs> and uh, I think what happened was the Fertitas said, well, we can't have Dana this bad idea, and it looks like he won. So we're going to tell Tito, we'll pay you, just make up an excuse, back out. Uh, but Tito is now saying, on a recent interview, that it was more about revenue than anything else. And he had apparently worked it out with White to get a 50-50 split of the proceeds and they basically got to the point where they were signing the, the contract and nothing that they had ironed out beforehand was in that contract. So he said, the contract came and I said, and said I was making zero. I said, hold on a second. I thought you said 50-50. White was like, no, we can't do that. I was like, well, I'm not fighting then. But just don't go on the scale and say Tito no-showed and is scared to fight. And that's exactly what he did. I'm not fighting anybody for free. <laughs> so, there he is again, you know, reiterating the same story. But I really think, you know, he was sworn to secrecy. Or the lie by the uh, Fertitas. Because I think they looked at it as like, you know, this guy is the president of our organization. He gets his ass kicked. He's going to just bat on us. You know, he's obviously got an ego, so we can't let him in on this little secret. But we're going to pay Tito to not do this. Because you have to remember, Tito fucking hated Dana White. To the point where he went to a weigh-in wearing a t-shirt that said, Dana White is my bitch. <laughs> so you can't tell me a little bit of a 50-50 split is going to stop Tito from pounding the shit out of Dana White in a boxing match. That's just not enough to me. <clears throat> you know, this... Because, I mean, I if I really hated White as much as Tito did, like I would take that fight for free just for bragging rights. Yeah, good point. You imagine the bragging rights you would have. Oh, fuck that Dana White guy. I kicked his ass. <laughs> and that's why I believe the Fertitas had to have some kind of involvement in stopping that. 
because <clears throat> they were they were full on in the Zion's thing at that time. I think it was 2007 was when they actually made that investment to the point where they were invested in their own sponsor and then they renewed the sponsorship agreement only to default on it with bankruptcy and all that stuff. So I think like, you know, they were very concentrated on cleaning up their image as much as possible. That would have been a real bad scene for Dana White. Really bad. Uh, sad story in boxing, uh, junior welterweight Luis Quinones, just 25 years old, died five days after a KO loss in Colombia uh, last Thursday. I hate hearing that. Yeah. yeah. And there's no indication of any kind of issue with weigh-ins or anything like that. Um... But, yeah, five days. You know, from all the, you know, and obviously, don't ever consider me any type of medical professional. Um, I was once a guy, don't ever take any scientific or medical advice from me. I'm a guy that once thought the uh, makings of an atom were prono, uh, protons, neutrons, and electrolytes. Yeah. Um, but I've, you know, obviously been following boxing for, you know, um, my whole life now. And coming up in a, about a month, it's going to be crazy to think a 40-year anniversary of the Ray Mancini Duke Kim fight because that was on November 13, 1982. And um, crazy, I know that off the top of my head, ain't it? <laughs> Great man of boxing. Um, I remember watching that photo with my dad. I was six years old, and and it was on you know afternoon ABC. We're watching that fight, and obviously I'm six years old. I didn't remember a whole lot about it until you know watching it again as an adult, but I, I distinctly remember watching it with my dad, and I forget if it was, I remember watching the fight, then I forget if they were showing something on the news a couple of days later, or if they were showing the knockout again, and they were talking about Duke Kim dying. <clears throat> I remember watching and saying, well, he fell, and he, he, his, his head hit the rope, and that's what made him die, and my dad's like, no, I don't think so. But if you go back and you watch a lot of the um, fights where, you know, it ends up in a, you know, either a coma situation where the person survives, like um, Gerald McClellan, who's, you know, under 24-7 care now, 90% line, 90% death, um, requires 24-7 supervision, or a death with, like, um, due to camera, Jimmy Garcia, or um, oh, was that what was that one boy? Oh, just, not that long ago. I'm, I'm forget his name. It was on. It was like 2019 on ESPN, and you're seeing the guys like taking sustained amount of punishment, sustained amount of punishment. It's rarely a single punch. Right. I think in the Duke or Kim fight, it was really more the less because it was a back and forth fight. Where if you go back and watch that final round, he got caught. You know, like with a left hook and a straight right hand, as soon as the bell started the round, and he went down and he tried to get up. And they said, like, if you look back at it now, imagine the bravery of that man who was trying to crawl to his feet when his brain was basically 
short-circuited like something was detached. And he was dying right there and he's trying to fall to his feet. Yeah, um, and, and you know, he was doing enough that the referee just couldn't stop it. And so this, uh, I mean, he just, it, it's, it's like the feeling I had, I remember this now, and I was thinking, you know, I made a comment to someone, it's like, damn, he's acting like, I just got to get back into this. You know, I mean, he was losing the rounds, but he just was not going to quit. I mean, I guess he, uh, what I had heard, he, he had a fiance, say, in, you know, back in Korea, and he was really planning on, you know, getting married and needed the money so bad. Just a yeah. story. She was pregnant because, you know, in Ray Mancini's book, The Good Son, they talk about, you know, years later that his son finally met Ray and they finally, like, it was awkward and it was, you know, but it was something they both had to do. Um, but at that point, it was like, Duke Jim was extremely competitive. And he was winning some rounds, and he, you know, he's hitting Mancini with some shots. It wasn't like he was doing enough just to survive. He was very competitive, you know. Again, stay younger, stronger, um, you know, exciting, power punching champion. Did he yeah, say? Yeah, uh, that is peak. Then did the son say to him when he met him, "My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father." <laughs> I hate to joke about that, but I had to throw that in. Uh, Cardona's and Munoz well, here. Um, the 25-year-old that just died. Um, Cardona's. They were in the eighth round when Munoz lost his mouth guard, and the ref sent Cardona's to a neutral corner while Munoz was getting his mouth guard back. Cardona's was on wobbly legs in the ring at that point, and when the fight continued after a punch, he was knocked down. He was put on a stretcher and taken to the hospital. Uh, <clears throat> he was actually unbeaten before the fight. He was taken to the North General Clinic in Byron Kula, where he underwent surgery for what was diagnosed as neurological deterioration as a result of head trauma due to traumatic contusions. Bruises, basically. Medical bruises. Uh, doctors also detected a subdural hematoma for which a cranial ectomy was performed. Uh, and there's also... You know, and like you were saying... Go ahead. Good. Oh, I gotta go to something else, but go. Well, I was saying, like, very... Sometimes it happens over a sustained amount of time. Sometimes it deteriorates, like, a, a fighter, like, in the bout. Um, something will happen where like the tide turns very quickly and it was the one that I, I was remembering a couple years ago on ESPN Buddy McGirt was working this corner and he was a Russian or Ukrainian fighter I don't remember um, exactly and he was he, he was doing well, he was competitive and the other guy started taking over really started hitting him with some good shots and then um, they, I think Buddy McGirt stopped the fight in the 11th and the fighter that lost his fighter was walking out of the ring and all of a sudden his leg his one leg started kicking like involuntarily like he was like having like muscle spasms so they actually wheeled out a stretcher and he voluntarily sat on the stretcher so he sat on the stretcher and next thing you know he's lying down on the stretcher next thing you know they're strapping him down on a stretcher and then you get a notice they're like they're rushing him to the hospital it's like you know you're watching that fight card as it's happening 
and you just feel that in the pit of your stomach. It's like, oh no. But it's like, maybe they're doing it for precaution. You know, he was, uh, maybe he took a few shots, but he's going to be okay. And then, next, you know, now he's in a coma. They're doing emergency surgery, and it looks grim. They're flying his family from Russia or whatever, you know, before they take him off You know, and, and then you have other times where it's it happens, you know, quickly. Like, the Duke again fight, it was basically one punch. Um, where a competitive fight, that one punch is basically just what, you know, tore something in, in his brain, caused the bleeding on the brain and the, you know, subsequent passing. Yeah. Uh, another fight was canceled or postponed. Um, recently, due to a positive drug test, Connor Ben was supposed to be fighting Chris Eubank Jr. on Saturday in London, and Ben tested positive for the banned substance clomiphene, uh, which I have no idea what it is, but um, sounds like something that's in an inhaler. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, this was in the news the last couple days, and every story I saw was insisting that the event is going to go on. But um, I was like, well, how is that possible? Because it just said, you know, positive drugs test. It didn't say what it was. Um, <clears throat> so both, both fighters and their promoters tried to keep the event going as scheduled, but um, the British Boxing Board of Control came out with a statement on Wednesday and said it determined Tuesday evening that the event will take place as it is not in the interest of boxing. So anyway, it's all over the place. They're trying to obtain a court order to allow the fight to take place on Saturday and uh, sanctioning from different authorities was even explored, including the Luxembourg Boxing Federation. <laughs> and the British and Irish Boxing Authority. And this is such an important fight because, you know, there's sons of two British legends here. Uh, Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank. They actually twice met for world titles in 1990 and 1993. Two of the biggest British fights of the 90s. Uh, now, Benn Jr. is uh, 26 and ESPN's number eight boxer at 147 pounds, while Eubank is 33 years old, and he's ranked number seven at 160 pounds. And this was going to be at uh, right in the middle, 157 pound catch weight. So now it's catching. Here's what it is. And there was a news report put out about the whole Zuckerberg thing. Being close to the media, but nothing. No, AP put out a report, but no, nothing related to any business developments, which is puzzling because, I mean, if you've got a guy that's willing to rent out a whole arena for an event, you would think there has to be some kind of business deal going on or... Like, he's taking something for a test drive, or they're having discussions about working together. And then you read that there's no developments, and it's like, how can that possibly be? Like, did he just want to rent the thing, and did he tell Dana White to stay the fuck away from him the entire time? 
our business. Like, I don't know. It's just, I gotta believe something's coming. And if it's not, Dana White is an absolute idiot for not trying to set something up. Because there's money there, there's enthusiasm. Um, you know, screw Tito Ortiz. How about um, Zuckerberg and Dana White getting a fight in cage? <laughs> Zuckerberg's too young. Uh, Dana also actually just put out like a I don't know, but I mean picture of them all flexing. I don't, I don't see being being a tough looking guy there. <laughs> there's videos. There's a video going around of him training. Uh, obviously, the kid that he's training with um, is taking it easy on him. But uh, he's got actually decent style. He's got he's got tenacity. Uh, you know, obviously he's not experienced enough to actually competitively fight, but I mean, in training, he looks halfway decent. Better than Dana White would probably look. <laughs> Trying it. But anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll see if anything develops there. Now, Jake Paul has announced, um, well, not announced yet, but has said an announcement is forthcoming in regards to a possible transition into the world of MMA. Of course, he's a YouTube star, an undefeated boxer, but uh, has a bad relationship with Dana White, even though he has, is now a part, even though it's probably you know, minuscule part, owner of the UFC, bought in with the stocks and all that. Uh, and he, he had like a battle back and forth with Dana White about fighter pay here and there. But, you know, being as he wants to probably continue his boxing career, I would probably guess he'll end up in Bellator if he makes this move. Because um, they're the most basically uh, open to people competing in other sports. We just talked last week about uh, one of their fighters going over to uh, women's boxing there, um, Cyborg. So, Jake Paul will probably end up there, um, but he's already teased it. He said, I'm working with a big organization right now on a whole thing in MMA that also has to do with me fighting, and we're going to have an announcement soon. And uh, the Anderson Silva boxing match is coming up at the end of this month, so... Uh, also, he's partnered with Showtime already for the boxing, so, I mean, it's pretty much a no-brainer. Showtime also covers Bellator, who he's talking to. I don't see Dana White after the uh, CM Punk experiment, throwing a, an, an untrained and unexperienced fighter into the cage again. <coughs> Just don't see it. So, yeah, I'm spoiling that announcement. <laughs> it's going to be Bellator whenever he decides. Uh, maybe he's changed his mind since then. I don't know. But anyway, we have some fights coming up this weekend. We also have fights tomorrow night worth mentioning. Um, Luis Concepcion fighting in uh, Mexico tomorrow. Uh, this is uh, two experienced guys fighting each other, even though one's ranked number 55 and the other one's ranked number 253. This is anybody's fight, judging by their records. Super flyweights, 
Luis Concepcion, he is 40 and 9. 40 wins, 9 losses. Fighting Hernan Marquez, who is 47, 10, and 2. And both of them have um, lost at least two of their last six fights. Concepcion actually lost three of his last six. Also, Down Under, uh, on either New Zealand or Australia, it looks like Australia. Uh, but it's going to be Marcos Batista Dawson. I don't know why showing this fight. He's only 2-0, fighting Azizula Gazizada, who's 16-2. Uh, and then uh, in White Sands Event Center in Plant City, Friday we have Kan Zhu, XU, that's his last name, 18 and 3, fighting Brandon Leon Benitez, who is also 18 wins, also has 18 wins, but two losses. So that's uh, that's Friday, and then Saturday we got a lot of stuff going on in Australia too. Uh, Sam Eggington in the main event, 32 and seven, fighting Dennis Hogan, 30 and four, with one draw for the IBO World Super Welterweight Title. And then Darag Foley, 20 and four, with one draw, fighting Blake Minto, who's 14, three and two, for the IBO International Super Lightweight Title. Yeah, there's a decent Jade Mitchell versus Mark Lucas fight at light heavyweight. Jade is 20 and 2, Lucas is 10 and 3. And here's a decent one from Germany. Eden Pujalo, 21 and 1, fighting Roman Golovashenko, who is 21 and 5. Bolton, United Kingdom, we got Liam Taylor, 24-2-1, fighting Martin Harkin, who is 15-2 for the WBO European welterweight title. And the big one on Showtime, it's going to be from Carson, California, Sebastian Fondora, number two at uh, Super Welterweight. 19-0-1 is his record going in against... The Towering Inferno. The Towering Inferno. Carlos Ocampo. Six foot six, 140 pounds. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. You shouldn't Ocampo be allowed to be that. Has one loss. Loves to fight on the inside. Won't lose his height. 34 wins. And this wins. Is, this is a step up competition for Fedora, but he is very talented. I've seen him fight a couple times. He's uh, got excellent jab, good head movement, and uh, he's undefeated for a reason. This one is for the WBC Interim World Super Welterweight title. Another Interim World Middleweight title on the line in the Comey event. Uh, number five, Carlos Ademez. Ademez? He is 21-1, fighting Juan Macias Montiel, who is 23-5-2. Middleweight bout there. And then IBF World Super Flyweight title. Up for grabs, uh, Fernando Daniel Martinez coming in undefeated at 
number six, uh, fighting Jerwin and Sajaf. Uh, who is 33, 2 and 2, ranked number 10 in the world. That's super flyweight. And then you got, uh, not somebody's always got to go, but somebody's 22 is going to go. So either 23 or it's going to stay 22. Uh, Edgidjus Kavlyauskas, he is 22, 2 and 1, fighting Michael Fox. Gabriel Fundor, obviously related to Sebastian, I'm sure. He is uh, ranked number 16 at Flyweight, 8-0. Fighting Naomi Arellano Reyes, who is 9-1. Oh, Gabriella, sorry. I was going to say, isn't Naomi a girl's name? <laughs> Gabriella, probably oh. a sister. Sister or cousin. And number 50 ranked featherweight, Victor Slavinsky. He is 13-1-1, fighting Edward Vasquez, who is 12-1. The title's there. And we got Angel fighting on this card, too. Angel Rebolar, 5-1 at lightweight, fighting Justin Cardona, who is 8-0. I don't know if the Angel's going to be a miracle, but it's going to be a tough one. And that's about it. Sunday for some obscure titles. Big Saturday fights. So, oh, you know what I'm looking, you know what fight we got coming up in about a month, which I think is going to be a really good fight? One of our former guests, um, um, Sergio Ramirez, undefeated. Yeah. Uh, heavyweight fight, Dimitri Bevel, that's going to be a good fight. Zerdo is fighting yeah, Dimitri? Uh, I believe, I'm, yeah, it's, uh, wow. I'm, I'm leaning toward Bevel, but I'll be anxious to see how he'll handle the pressure. Yeah, and you know, Tom, I agree with you on that. Um, as well, because, you know, first of all, Beevil has been at light heavyweight his whole career. Uh, Ramirez is moving up. Granted, it's only seven pounds, but he is moving up. And and if you go back and you watch um, Ramirez's fights with um, Justin Hart, he had the, especially the first fight, he had those knockdowns early. And that was the difference, because then Hart turned it on and, you know, was winning the, the later rounds. Um, and if he didn't have those knockdowns, fight could have went in the heart's way. So, you know, 
hard to say because like said was Beaver fought Canelo. Canelo was, did well the first two, three rounds. You know, he targeted the arm and he, you know, landed some good shots in the torso. And then Beaver, you know, started establishing that jab and a real, you know, tight defense and uh, sort of backing Canelo off. So I think I think you got to go with Beaver here. Um, decision. But it'll be interesting. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's the kind of fight that, you know, I'm a fan of both guys. It's, uh, I don't know, <laughs> because it, it's it's always more interesting when there's some emotion involved. You know, when there's someone you either really want to win or really not want to win. Yeah, right, I don't right, have right. that feeling here. You know, in, in this case, I just have to be, become a boxing nerd, and it's a challenge take the emotion out of it, act like I'm judging it, then I'll enjoy it more. Yeah. You know what, that's a great point. Like, sometimes you'll get two guys, you're like, man, I really like both these guys. Now, a good example was, you know, the Gotti Ward fights. You know, I liked them yeah. both. I was more of a Gotti fan, so I pulled for Gotti each fight, but I was like, I, I and I obviously didn't expect it was going to be as good as it was, especially that first fight, but I was like, I just want a good, clean fight, and a good, honest fight, which they all three yeah. turned out to be. Right, and whoever whoever wins, it, it's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. It's like, you know, I had one about 10 years ago. This was a real tough one for me because not only did I like both fighters, I was friends with both fighters. And that was um, when my, our uh, good friend Chuck Masaccio, uh, who I've known since he was a high school senior. And then we were at Lock Haven together, only I was only there for a semester. Um, was fighting a guy from actually my old gym that I knew his trainers. His trainers were there when I was there, uh, Garrett Wilson. And I'm like, man, this sucks. I said, not only do I like them both fighters, I consider them both friends. Yeah, and I'm like, that's really tough. And, and it was a fight where Chuck was ahead on the cards and he got caught with a uh, overhand right in the 12th and final round and got counted out. And I was like, you know, I was happy for Garrett. I was upset for Chuck at the same time. I'm like, that, that was. Um, and then sometimes you get a guy, uh, you watch a fight, you're like, man, I don't like either one of these guys. Perfect <laughs> example, Greg Haugen and Hector Kamalpa. I didn't like either one of them. I was like, I guess I'm going to pull for Haugen because I don't like Kamalpa. <laughs> I like I like Camacho less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it's I'm just getting old, but I'd like to ask you guys. It seems like there's more in these fights. Like you know, back in the '80s, there was always someone I didn't want to see win. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't say anyone I had pure hatred for on a personal level, but yeah, you, know, really you just don't mess with that. their style. And Camacho was it was a good example of that. But uh, I don't I don't get that feeling as much now, and I don't know. If it's me, if I'm just getting older, I don't know. What do you guys think? You're mellowing? No. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. And maybe because certain guys don't get that, like, you don't get as many guys getting that get mainstream that you used to get. Um, That's true. You, get the, like, you know, you get, like, the ESPN, like, Friday or Thursday night fights, whatever night. ESPN always moves around. But Tuesday night fights, you, Tuesday night fights was a constant. And you get guys that had, like, a promo contract um, with say like somebody like a Bob Arum and um, 
so those guys would say they would get a lot of, you know, shows on the Tuesday Night Fight, and it's like, man, do I really got to see this guy again? And it's like, I, I don't want to see him again, and I don't like him. I don't like his, I don't like his style. I don't like his attitude. Um, most recently, well, there was one fighter I didn't like because I always thought he was just, you know, kind of arrogant, and that was Sergio Mora. And it's hard because now he does all the zone uh, commentary, mm-hmm. and I I was never a big fan in his from from the contender. My friend Mike despises him. I mean, I'll say like, "Hey, Mike, I, I got tickets to this fight. I'm going to see Daniel Jacobs in uh, Reading. Guess who he's fighting? Your boy. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. I'm like the last thing. Shut up. I hate him. I, and Mike is pissed. You know." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, relax. Um, but I'll tell you, I was never a big fan of his. And the, but the one fighter right now that every time he fights, I'm like, if he would get knocked out like cold, mm-hmm. I'd be thrilled in that daydream burner. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good. I think that's universal. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's just more control. You know? So yeah, I would agree with you on on, on that one, but. Uh, his next fight yeah, is going to be in a prison if he keeps it up. <laughs> yeah, really. Just a bad, you know, and Adrian Brunner, it was fun because we just brought him up. I was scrolling through Facebook today and sometimes it'll just so like, like 10 second like video clips are called shorts. Oh, yeah. And because I look at so many boxing ones, I always get boxing ones. And the one of them was like three different angles of Manny Pacquiao cracking him in the mouth with a straight left hand and, 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 and buckling him, knocking him backwards. And they, I just laughed every time they showed it. And that was the point. Like, Broner, in his mind, is undefeated. In his mind, he's undefeated. Got his ass kicked by Madonna. Now the judges were against me. Now the judges were against me. Got his ass kicked by Pacquiao. No, it was the judges. No, it wasn't, dude. You threw, like, three punches around and you got punched in the mouth, like, you know, 48 times around. You know, you know probably I, be I'm him. no math genius, but... Let's, let's, uh, let's pair that. him up with uh, the only boxer I truly hate, uh, Charlie Zelenoff. <laughs> He's not even a real oh, boxer. I did, oh, I, 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 you can't count him. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even really hate him. I, I just is like... I'm just puzzled but by you know, his whole mentality. 482 and L on Yeah. 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 But no, the only fighter I would say I hate, I like to see lose fights, is Conor McGregor. And, I, and I'm half Irish. That's kind of sad. You know, I should be like on his, on his side, but you no, know, I just don't like the guy. I, I feel like he got uh, a lucky break and he ran with it. And he's never been that great. But you, the problem, like Tom was saying earlier, you know, why is it this way? I think the problem is, like, so many people like those guys that, like, if you even voice your hatred of them on social media, like, you're going to get demolished by all of his fans. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, even the guys that you used to think everybody would hate, now people just love them. Like, you know, the Diaz brothers, they were very disrespectful you know, back in the about, day. And, um, you know, not very management friendly, but they just got a just crazy fan base, so you couldn't hate them. <clears throat> like, you just were forced yeah. to love them. 
talking about McGregor, the night that he fought Mayweather, um, I was over at my friend's house early that morning, and we weren't ordering the fight. And I'm like, no, this is one I'm not ordering, you know? And he goes, well, the one bar about two miles from my house is gonna have it. I said, okay. And I go home, and I'm punting around, and around 4.35 o'clock, I fall asleep, you know, I'm taking, even it's like a two hour nap, or like an hour and a half nap, you know. I wake up, I left my friend a message, I said, yo, bro, I said, I know you guys are drinking tonight, I'm not drinking tonight. Um, do you want me to swing, pick you up, and pick our other friend up on the way to this bar, the uh, aroma? And he goes, no. Nah. Well, he calls me back, and he goes, where are you? I said, what do you mean, where the hell am I? He said, I said, the car don't start for another hour and a half or whatever. He goes, dude, we're already here. We wanted to make sure we got seats at the bar. Get your ass here, because we saved you a seat. I'm like, oh, God, this, this is done. I knew it's not going to be good. So I jump in my car, and I drive. It's about a 20-minute drive to this bar. So I get there, and I know, like I said, I'm not drinking that night. My friends are already tuned. It's 7 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, and the one friend, he's somehow managing every time this girl pours a shot for somebody. She's pouring him one. And these guys are getting... So we're watching the fights, and right before the main event starts, this guy and girl come in. And she comes in. As soon as she comes in, she literally stepped out of the trailer park. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and she was not an attractive girl either. And she's like, F this, and I'm like, dude, what, what a white trash pig to be blunt, right? And, and she's like, just being, just being vulgar, and so we're watching the fight, and she's pulling for McGregor. Although, me being a boxing guy, I was pulling for Mayweather. My friends that don't like McGregor were pulling for Mayweather by default. So, as Mayweather's progressively taking over, she... He's getting louder and more raunchy and more belligerent mm-hmm. and, and, drunker. You know, and drunker and vulgar and everything. So they stop the fight the 10th round and she starts effing this, effing that. <laughs> and, uh, and my friend, he's usually a pretty cool guy. Um, he's a guy like, I'll lose my cool, you know, and get pissed off at anything, right? My friend will, if he explodes, it's like he progressively gets more and more fired up until the flame goes out. And I could see him getting, he starts taunting this girl, like, throws the yell up, your guy lost, you're a loser, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then, and then I'm like, and that's not really his character, trash talking, but he was doing it. And then she starts like, oh, you have no dick, you have a small dick, isn't that? And then he says something <laughs> And she actually takes her beer bottle, the, and thankfully the glass wasn't broken, but the, 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 the top of the bottle, and she pokes him in the eye with Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So now, he smacks the bottle out of her hand. <laughs> and I'm like, now, now, like, her boyfriend or whatever, like, he steps up, or whatever, and I'm like, and then, and then, then, I, and then I'm like, I'm in the middle of this the whole time. And then, and I said something to the girl, I'm like, you know, you're just like, you know, I, I called him like a fat, disgusting pig or whatever. And I said to the guy, I'm like, yo, your girl's starting this whole thing. He's like, you go hit a girl? And I'm 
you figure that ain't no girl at the Sasquatch. You know? Um, well, you know, whatever. And I'm yeah, like, bunny. That's it, know, bunny. I mean, my, my boy would, would have knocked that guy out because remember, he trained under, he trained, he boxed, you know, I trained him. You know, he's not a boxer, but he learned a lot of the stuff from me. Um, but he was drunk, so I was like, no, 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 like, you ain't gonna take my friend outside and whatever. You know, I'll, I'll whip your ass, I'll whip our ass, you know. But it, my other friend that I'm using it, I'm like, but you know, that was like, you know, but the, you know, right, the emotion of that where a lot of people hate hated Mayweather, a lot of people hated McGregor, they both can't lose. You knew there was gonna be a lot of tension there that night. And boy, boy, there was. <laughs> And, you know, there were so many rivalries back in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, like Duran and Leonard. Now, you can't cheer for both of them. Okay, that one was right. like one or the Ollie Frazier. <laughs> right. was a fan of both. You know what I mean? That would bring out the emotion. And I was a Duran guy and a Frazier guy. Even though Ollie at time, different times, I kind of liked him. But at that period, yeah, I was all for smoking gel. And, and, it, and it was just so, you know, zero-sum game. And I, I'm just not seeing that now. Yeah. You know, maybe in MMA, I, I, I could say the one that I, I've always not wanted to win would be John Jones. Yeah, I could say that. You know, there's just but not as many fun. characters, you know, that, that are just out there and, like, you know, uh, getting into the trash talk game. Uh, Chimaev, maybe. In the UFC, it's a little bit polarizing, but you know, I, mean, a, a I think lot he's got of your more guys fans now, than he has enemies. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of your guys now, um, you know, because like I guess you get a lot of stuff on social media, so it's like, you know, you can see a guy like, and even if he has like a reputation like, on TV, it's like, oh, a guy like Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather plays a great villain. But we've been on, call, I've been on calls with him. Rich, you've been on calls. With him. We might have got to ask. We might not have gotten to ask questions, but you would hear the guy. And you could hear like things he would say, like, "Hey, man, like um, my first call with him was 2009. First thing he did on the call was pay tribute to Vernon Forrest, Alexis Arguello, and Arturo Gatti because they all died around the same time. And he just did it such in a well-spoken way. You know, um, some guys were always good. At at playing that villainous role and you know but they would do it for you know a lot of them for TV because that would you know help them make money right guys like Adrian Broner are legit, legitimate pieces of shit yeah that's not exactly. a on TV that's not, not hey I'm gonna act like this so more people pay to see me get beat a guy like Camacho, you know, maybe, I mean, hey, Camacho had his demons. Mayorga, so, remember Mayorga? He was a trash talker. It is what it is. But he would do things. Yeah, he, but he would do things that his fans would love, and if you didn't like him, you hated him. <laughs> you know, he'd wear a loincloth to the ring. Yeah. You know, like, his fans, yeah, man, look, look at that, man, look at Hector, he's all styling tonight. Me, look at this man. <laughs> you know, I want to see him get, you know, tonight. He's, he's wowing two sides by doing that. The, the lovers and the haters. Yeah. Um, Bernard Hopkins was good at that. He'd play, you know, a villain on TV and he would do shit. And, you know, I liked him. 
but I can see where a lot of people did not, not like him. The thing with the whole Puerto Rican thing, throwing the flag on the ground. I'll never let a white boy beat me. He would do shit. You know, to really irritate people, and and it helped make him money. John Jones, he he's kind of a polarizing guy in the UFC too. But I yeah, don't know, I don't know about people hating him. I don't see a lot of that. But yeah, there's just not as many characters that can be hated. I think it was more of like a WWE atmosphere back in the 80s and 90s. And like, you think about it. Yeah. Remember Mitch Green and Mike Tyson getting into the street fight? Blood, oh, Blood Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Tyson bit, uh, what's well, his name's leg? He was a little legit, you know, not a good guy. Um, what was his name? Uh, Lennox Lewis, right? He bit his leg before the ear thing with Holyfield. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so he kind of set the example with kind of had to be as crazy as he was in the 80s to get the attention. And boy, did he get the attention. Actually, uh, that's one of the things I knew I was forgetting. So I saw a comment or report today that came out um, that Mike Tyson has put out a new boxing video to quiet all the news of his bad health. Because it's pretty crazy, but you know, the, how the media is. They get one little thread of a story and they exaggerate the shit out of it. So, Tyson was seen in a wheelchair because of his sciatica issues or something like that. So, of course, like, every other day there's a new story about Mike Tyson's bad health. Is this the end? Like, shit like that. Uh, and he's actually still pretty healthy. Just, he made a comment that scared the shit out of everybody. He said he was, thought he was close to death. You know, he smokes a lot of weed, so you have to first understand that. He eats mushrooms on top of that. So you know he's going to get in these moods where he's going to be all gloom and doom, but it might have nothing to do with his actual health. It's just, you know, his mind is strangled right now. You know, and he's still all there, which is kind of crazy. You know, Larry Holmes was hard to warm up to back in the 80s that I think about yeah. it. I can't, I can't, can't remember. And he had that winning streak. Oh, and he and said this stuff about ever. Rocky, too. Pissed off a lot yeah, of Yeah, and I can't remember ever not wanting him to get KT up out. Ever. <laughs> ever. No. In, in any fight, especially the Jerry Cooney fight. That was so huge. I mean, it was so it, it was so political and just so, uh, you know. i tell you, yeah, my first. Holmes just, he, was a sore, and he was a sore winner. Yeah. He wasn't just a sore loser. My first... Um, you know, he always had that chip on his shoulder. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but... My first Larry Holmes fight was against Mike Tyson. That was the first one I seen him. And I was like, this guy was good? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. All yeah. I remember is he, like, fell on his back, and he, like, well, rolled on his back. It was so bad. Well, you just go back and, look, and just look at those, you know, early 80s when, when he was in his, in his prime. Oh, yeah. And then you could say, well, maybe it was kind of a lackadaisical period in the heavyweight division, but... Um, you know, you judge someone by their time, but I mean, he just, he had a tough style. That was one of the best jabs ever. Ever. Yeah. But it, it was just, he just had this, it was just something off with his personality. Just the surly, angry, <laughs> you know, and, he, and even when he would even win, he didn't seem happy. Miserable. Right. Right. You know, you know, at the time, it's funny you say that. Um, It's like, you know, you have people like that and they always seem like you're right a chip on their shoulder they're angry I, I got a 
a guy, you know, he's older, but we were in the one football league together. And everybody said, like, when I joined the league nine years ago, they said, you know, watch out for so-and-so. You know, he gets competitive. I said, well, so do I. Competitive's fine, you know. But if he's not winning, he gets really upset and he's easy to rile. Oh, really? And then it was like that year I was doing real bad, right? And then I turned it around and I made the playoffs. And my team was not a good team, but I, I was just locking out, locking out, locking out. And then, but the whole time he had the best team and he was blah, 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 blah. Then a few years later, I have a better team. And I say something, you're an asshole. I'm doing the same thing you did. Or you're, you're picking on an old man. Hmm. We're in the same league. Now, you know, we're not playing the game physically. Well, you know that, right? We're not putting pads and helmets on. We're picking guys that are going to do it, and I'm having a good year. The guy confronted me in a funeral one time after my team won. Well, that's what ended up getting me thrown out of the league because the trash talk they should have had so much last year, him and his buddy. And they're like, you're an asshole. I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I got your trophy. Come get it from me. Smacking your teeth. Then I gave him the ultimatum. I said, listen, I'm a tornado, T-R and ADL. I had, I had, you know, a real tough time when I was growing up being the asshole you need to be sometimes to people to get them to stop taking advantage of you or stop thinking that you're going to get walked all over and be okay with it. Like every now and then you just kind of, you know, especially somebody that uses words the way I do, you know, can actually think of things quick. You saw, you could see how it works with a guy like Trump during the campaigns and any time he ever got anybody, mm -hmm. you know, up against him, he'd go straight to the insults and he would always get something that would just be like, oh, ow, that's a burn. You know, he was really good at burning people. Uh, and, you know, I've kind of yep. gotten that from my lawyer experience a little bit, but mostly just from just not giving a shit anymore about like what people think of you it's just like it's it's better for you to just say your mind and speak your piece than to let a lot of stuff just fester foment basically and just get to that point where you're you know you wish you could say something but you don't want to cause a scene most people are not going to cause a scene they're just going to be like shocked that you spoke your mind and if you're smart enough about it, you're you just know, gonna, and, and similar you're to you say that, it's like give up. You know, we we all works. we all have our triggers, right? And we all have things that bother us and things that are you know personal. And you know, if it's a fair fight, you know, you no know, a fair argument, um, you know, you can argue somebody with facts. And you look, like, so you did the lawyer thing, you know, you know about it. So just say for argument, take me and you were debating on something, whatever it was, and we could be civil about it, and I could, you know, put my position out here, and I could argue with facts. You could argue with facts. In a way, we both could have valid arguments, and, you know, whatever. But if something got ugly, and there had to be mud flinging in there, then you got to find a way to really, you hate to say it, but really hurt somebody. And it, it, it can be done to anybody. I got you know, people that I'm friends with, but it's like, you know, you always have something. It's like, well, you know what, if I ever had to 
get nasty with them. I say he did it with me. Well, I know, you know, what what I have. You know, I know what ammunition I have. Um, you know, you don't want to get to that if you don't have to. I, and a few people, like, I did what a, a lot a few years ago. We have a guy there, a troublemaker, and he was friends with everybody until he, I don't know if he got on drugs or if he got whatever, but he would get real jealous and real nasty and always want to start a fight, right? And I, and I don't communicate much with him, but the one time he was like, I'm the best at this, I'm the best at that. And a customer shows up, he pushes in front of everybody to help this customer, and the customer says, we'd rather wait for Tony. We're sure you're good, but he's the best. I didn't pay them to say that. I didn't know they were going to say that. I didn't even know the people. But they knew me. And in a way, I used them to dig the shit out of him. I guess it worked. Well, uh, speaking of digging, uh, Kevin Holland is not retiring. UFC has announced he's going to be fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the main event of UFC Orlando on December 3rd. And, you know, he posted on Twitter that he was retiring, so now that this fight is signed, he posted a video of Wonderbread. <laughs> Instead of Wonderboy. Wonderbread. Classic Kevin Holland. Anyway, uh, also big news on the Jake Paul undercard. Uh, we talked about this a little while ago, probably a couple months ago now. Leveon Bell is in boxing now, and he just beat Adrian Peterson by knockout. Vicious. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, no doubt about it, knockout. <laughs> Early in the fight, too. So they have actually set him up to fight Uriah Hall on the undercard of that's uh, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva bout. And Uriah just retired from the UFC. So, obviously has some great experience of black belt and karate. guys realize what's out there. I think you're going to see the UFC lose some opportunities to re-sign fighters. You know, already you're having the issue with Francis Ngannou because of the heavyweight boxing picture. You know, there's not really a lot of talk about it now, but there's really, you know, a, a main intent for Ngannou. He wanted to fight Tyson Fury. And there's supposed to be special rules and all sorts of gimmicks to make it entertaining and but uh, you know, their knuckle is getting more popular. Uh, you've got football players that everybody has always said is the missing link in boxing, and now they're getting into it. So, you know, Scott could be the one for some of this stuff. As much as we may like to hate Jake Paul a little bit, he's kind of responsible for some of these uh, developments that will help the sport like that. You know, like in guys like William Bell. He has said that he is not going to play in the NFL at all this season, no matter what, because he is fully more into boxing. So there it is. I 
guess that's about it for us. Tapped out. <laughs> All right. Like I said, we didn't. I mean, we didn't have much in the way of news or schedule, so we had to improvise, which we're good at. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Great debate. I sent you guys the picture of me in my tuxedo. I will. Gangster, have gangster, gangster, gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <right? laughs> yeah. Good stuff. I like the glasses too. That just. Oh yeah. They're really, really oh, bad. I'll I'll send you the uh, um. A clip of my singing too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, guys. I told some people that if people sense. suffer from brain damage, I enjoy the respect of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Jeff, have a good weekend. All right, guys. Enjoy the fight. All right, later. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.